Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this is our Seventh Heaven podcast. And we have what is the best news I've ever gotten. Wow. I mean... It's the most exciting news that we here have ever heard at the headquarters. Yes. Um, so, you know that about three weeks ago, I guess now? Yeah, yeah. Or like some, like, a while back. Episode 413, which was put on our... We did the podcast that was... It was uploaded on July 8th. Yeah. Um, it was the episode which very famously had NSYNC's Lance Bass playing Robbie's younger brother. Guess what, guys? Lance Bass liked our Instagram post. Lance Bass. I'm, I'm coming ju- for you next, Jessica Biel. <laughs> I'm so, I, I, like, when I saw, the, got the notification, I was actually speechless. Um, I mean, it, like, it hit us pretty hard when Beverly Mitchell went and liked our post, and then Barry Watson liked and commented. And then Beverly Mitchell reposted our post. Multiple times. But now, Lance Bass! So, I'm sorry, I'm so happy. Uh, and we'll tell you all about our social media at the end of this episode. But let's get back to what we want to talk about. So, uh, this episode of Camden Cast, we will be covering Season 4, Episode 19 of... Seventh Heaven, the title is Talk to Me, um, and in Germany, the title is Silence is Silver, Speech is Gold. Uh, Our IMDb user synopsis is, After Eric is approached by a mystery girl he can't identify, who won't tell her problem, the Camden parental paranoia extends to preventive praying, so the kids assume one of them must be in trouble. After Lucy launches the theory that her siblings may invent colorful friends to test their own fib stories, pointless palavers abound. Simon proves his funny classmate, Luke, is real. Mary is keeping an outsider's secret. Hank blames Matt for his marital crisis, just for accidentally giving jealous Aunt Julie the impression Hank shares a secret with Matt, who thus gets a wealthy lodger on top of his roommate till further notice... <laughs> that was like a song or like beautiful. a sonnet, maybe? Yeah. Something Chaucer might have written. <laughs> I think that's actually who was writing these. Uh, so many, so much alliteration. Um, okay, so a couple of points. Firstly, this is the first, ep- firstly, first. This is uh, the first ever time a Seventh Heaven episode was given a PG rating. Uh, usually, Seventh Heaven is a G rated show. Um, and a parental, I think the TV, the TV guide, TV guide actually says parental guidance is a must for this episode in which secrets cause misunderstandings and major wounds. Um, the other thing about this episode, well, so the summary doesn't really talk about what the main storyline is, which is... Well, it's like someone's keeping a secret from the Rev. Um, so... When Seventh Heaven airs in the UK, um, it apparently airs in the morning, uh, around 11 a.m., so almost the entire conversation that takes place, which discusses the secrets and the abuse uh, that one of the characters is facing, it's between Lisa and Eric. The mystery girl. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. Alert. Um, It's cut out completely, I guess because of the time that's rated. So when UK viewers watch this, it's very confusing because they don't really know what's going on. Well, like the major plot point is cut out. (laughs) So if you are one of our UK listeners, uh, let us know if you are familiar with... Or if you've ever seen this on TV and been confused about what is going on. Maybe... 
this is your first time hearing about what's actually happening. Perhaps. <laughs> um, well, don't worry, there's a secret hack to it. Watch it on Amazon or on Hulu. Wait, does, no. Hulu's not available outside the U.S. I don't know about that, but probably, I don't know. It wasn't in 2010. Well. It's now not things 2010. Have, it's, so. It was many years <laughs> ago. No, wait, uh, it wasn't last year either when I was in Amsterdam, okay. so. Um, what was your first impression of this episode? Um, so, very, it's very clear with the way that, um, the character of Lisa discloses about what happened to her, that she was raped. Uh, but so far in all of our, like, the official summaries and even on the show... I, I feel like it, it, this was, though, in part because of how they keep saying it on the show, that she was molested. Uh, so they don't use, in my opinion, what is the correct, like, terminology. Um, I don't really understand why, but that was my, like... That's, like, what I took away from this episode. This and we went back to where... They tried to, like, sneak in everybody in the episode when I really don't think they should have. Like, I think that they could have spent more, more time, time yeah. on this. Or it could have been a very juicy storyline, which could have done a lot for... Like, it could have been a very good issue episode, and I think it was kind of set aside. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll start with a cold open, um, which is the Rev at Church trying to work on a sermon... Uh, we are led to believe it is a Friday. Yeah. And... It's always the weekend on 7th Heaven, just by the way. I mean, usually it starts on a Friday. No, actually, yeah, that's... You're right. Um, I think it just... Yeah, so, uh... The... <laughs> a mysterious woman or young girl uh, kind of walks into the doorway and um, the Rev's like, Hello, I am Eric Camden or the Rev Camden. And she's kind of like, okay. He's like, do you want to come in? And she's like, I'm not sure. Do you want to talk? I'm not sure. Um, and, like, she's clearly very, like... Cagey. Uh, yes. Um, and the rev is like, I haven't talked all day, and I love to talk. So if you want to talk, go ahead and talk. Maybe I'll talk. You can come in. And then he, like, leans down for a second to, like, pick something up or put something away. And when he looks back up, she is gone. So he's, like, shooked. Well, before she leaves, um, before, like, he drops his pencil, she says, are you here every day? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here most days, you know, whenever people need me, I'm here. And she's like, so maybe I'll feel more like up to talking come tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll come back tomorrow. Um, so that's it. We've learned nothing. <laughs> um, Neither Aaron or nor I recognized <laughs> who this person yeah, I was. Little, I feel a little foolish now, but yeah. I mean, it, it. She looked different. I don't know. She did look different. She looked like something had happened to her. <laughs> um, so I. I mean, for like our dedicated watchers of Seventh Heaven, was this? Did you recognize who this was in the cold open? Um, because we didn't until it was like. Well, we'll get all right. So let's let's so then you know opening credits and it comes back and. We the, will start with Matt. Yeah. Um, so Matt. Uh, is at the hospital cafeteria yeah. and he is now officially an orderly, and it's Doctor Hank Hastings. He, uh, he comes in and he tells Matt that he needs to talk to him or something. Yeah. Um, and also, I guess this is like a side plot or something. He's like, oh. Um, what are you still doing here? Like, aren't you going to move to New York with Shauna? And he's like, 
what? Who told you that? Did John, did John tell everyone in the hospital? I make all these stupid plans that I can't follow through on, and, like, now I'm just embarrassed. Um, yeah, there's, like, a, some sort of, like, ongoing joke in this episode that everybody knows about Matt's love life, and nobody knows anything else about Matt. Um, it comes up a few times. Uh, then, the, then like, Hank, Dr. Hank is like, well... I have to go deliver a baby. Wait. But he also says, like, good luck with the women you love. And he's like, it's a, and Matt's like, it's no, a no, woman. No, no, Matt says that. Matt says, oh, um, oh. it's not easy losing the woman you love. Oh, okay. And then okay. Hank, like, makes a face, and he's like, oh, the woman with, I love. But then he's also like, speaking of, where's Heather? Yes. Um, so, anyway, Hank has to go deliver a baby, but he's like, I want to talk to you, Matt. And Matt's like, what could he possibly want to talk to me about? Um, he follows Hank to this other room in the hospital that looks like a waiting area, and there's a nurse there, and the joke continues about, like, ha-ha, you're not moving to New York, and this nurse is like, oh, I, I gotta go tell everyone I'm gonna win the office pool, so apparently they, everyone in the hospital was betting on Matt, like, moving or not moving. Um, and he's like, I need to talk to, do- like, the doctor, because he wants to talk to me, and this nurse is like, do you think something, whatever you have to talk about is more important than the miracle of birth? And Matt says, yes, that it's about him, and he could be more important than the miracle of birth. Um, so while Matt's waiting for Dr. Hank, Aunt Julie shows up. Welcome back, Aunt Julie. Um, Aunt Julie is, seems to be, f- like, fighting or in some sort of argument with her husband. We j- I don't know. Yeah, we're supposed to just get the idea that, like, Julie thinks he's keeping a secret, and he is... Uh, Ooh, and what a secret it is. <laughs> um, and Matt makes the mistake of saying, oh, that's funny because... Um, he said he has something to tell me. So now Julie is... Like, oh, no. So he can talk he to can you. He can talk to you, but not me. Oh, I'm his wife. Oh, she was like, why didn't he just marry you? <laughs> um, Julie is dramatic. Yeah. Uh, so then the next thing we have is that Hank is at Matt and John's door with a suitcase and, and a credit card. And a credit card. <laughs> um, and he's like, oh, he got. He apparently was kicked. Julie kicked him out of the house because he wasn't. He he wouldn't divulge the secret that he may or may not be keeping. Um, so he's like, oh, it's gonna be fun. Um, and they're like, oh, we're we're starving college students, but Hank treats them all to dinner. So, um, Hank's like pretty like, oh, this is all your fault, Matt, because you're not supposed to tell my wife that I'm talking to you before I'm talking to her. Apparently, Hank wanted Matt's advice about something before he went and told his wife. And I want to say that Matt Camden is the worst person to go to for advice historically on the show. Well, also, why would you be going to like talk to like you're a grown ass man? Talk to like what you're gonna go talk to your like 21 year old nephew. (laughs) Like, what about? I mean, well, we know, but I mean, I know, but like, <laughs> what could you if he possibly actually needed think? real advice? Yeah. He shouldn't have gone to Matt. Um, the next morning, uh, Hank is taking too long in the bathroom, and John is pretty like upset about this. He's like, "You need to kick him out." Matt's like, "I can't do it. He's my uncle." Um, and Julie calls, and Julie's like, "May I speak to my husband and the father of my child?" And Matt's like, I think that it's important that he talk to you, and I shouldn't be the one to like divulge his secret. And um, Julie's like, oh, so you know? He tells you before he tells me? And We need to get divorced. Yeah. No, she didn't say that. But, but she's really being really dramatic, and Matt's like, just be patient, Aunt Julie, um, uh, basically. And 
They I thought that maybe they set this up because Anne Julie in the first season was like super close to Matt or whatever. Right, right, right. So Hank, but when it, when we find out what it is, it's not like oh I need to get her a gift or something. It's something you could have easily talked to like the Rev about yeah. or just like told Aunt Julie herself because it's like not a huge deal. I can understand uh, why it would be a huge deal, but it's not a huge enough deal that he needs to talk to Matt about it. Right. Um, so they hang up, but then Julie calls again, but this time John picks up. And John, because he's looking for any way possible to get Hank out of the apartment, he's like, let's talk about your husband. And so they do, but we don't get this conversation, which I think we should have. We were robbed of what could have been a great conversation. <laughs> so both between John and Aunt Julie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A comic duo. So uh, at the hospital, this all gets um, resolved. taken care because we find out that the big secret is that Hank is Jewish, and the reason that he was afraid is because his like brother-in-law parents are coming to visit. <laughs> we said two different things. Well, I know, but his parents are coming to visit, right? That's yeah. why this just came up now yeah. because his parents, uh, you know, um, are coming. To, I'm just going to say it one more time: <laughs> they're coming to visit, and. He is married to a the sister one. of a Protestant minister. I, I mean... I, and his parents don't know that he's not married to a Jewish woman. And so... Didn't they go... Oh, wait, did they get... Like, they eloped, right? I yeah, was like... <laughs> remember? It was Heather and... It was supposed to be Heather's yeah. wedding, but... <laughs> then they just took it. Um, uh. So, everything's fine. We, like, and we it's, find it's out, fine. like, when this is all revealed, it's like, the Reverend Annie, you were like, oh, yeah, we knew, because last year, Hank called to find out what day Christmas Eve falls on, and we thought that was kind of funny. And apparently a rabbi said congratulations on their new Jewish brother-in-law, um, which begs the question, why didn't the Reverend Annie tell Julie? Or, yeah, why was this ever... Well, wouldn't Julie know? That's also just my generally, well, like, weird. wouldn't that ever come up? I mean, she... Do they know. not celebrate Hanukkah or Passover or... Well, no, because apparently they're, they're still celebrating all the Christian holidays. Yeah, but, like... I, I, like, and that's the other thing. Would his parents really be upset if it's... Because it seems like they're not really... He's practicing. not, like, practicing. Right. So if he's, like, married to someone who is, like, more invested in their faith than... It's not, I don't see it being mm. a huge deal. But I don't know. This was artificial conflict. But wouldn't it also have come up when they were like, I mean, they had a, did they have a baby girl? Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. But, oh. um, or like when they were deciding how, they, I guess it's up, it's too early to decide how they're going to bring the child up, like in what faith. Yeah. I'm assuming that this is a conversation Seventh Heaven people have. But wouldn't the child have been baptized if, right? It, yeah, if it was Christian? This is, or wait, you, this yeah. is the most plot holy plot. <laughs> We've poked so, so many holes in it. <laughs> I don't. Anyway. Uh, um, moving on. Um, that was obviously stupid. So, as you can see, the theme of the episode is miscommunication. And this, we really see this in the hilarity that is the rest of the children. Um, so, I guess to just get the ball rolling on all of the other kids' storylines. Um, the Rev comes home the day that um, this mystery girl comes to see him and is looking for the kids. And Annie's like, you would hear them if they were home from school already. Um, and then he tells Annie about 
the girl who came to speak to him. And Annie's like, oh, well, you could go check the yearbook. And this is another, I just thought of this plot hole right now. She's like, you could go check the yearbook for this young woman if you think it's someone who's like Lucy or Mary's age. And then Annie's like, oh, you already did. And this girl would be in their yearbook. So Especially because like, I think the Habitat for Humanity thing is a club at school. Yeah. And she- they would have a club page. And just generally, like, even if you just went through every single... So anyway, there's that problem. Um, so as soon as they all get home, he's like, we all need to communicate more, trying to get all the kids to communicate. And Mary is like, well, like we just say that this is kind of like Mary's storyline. She's like, I've communicated with you all year because I've been in trouble, so you know what's been going on in my life. Um, can you just exclude me from all conversations? And they're like, okay, we'll start at dinner. And Mary's like, wait until I'm done eating, and then you can speak to everyone else. Because I don't, I talk to, like, the other three every day. I don't need to hear about what's going on in their lives. Yeah, so the rest of the episode is the parents having conversations with the kids. So Lucy finds her way out of it by... Not really, no. She talks to Annie. No, but the, they like she ends up, like... Like, just talking, diverting uh, all of the attention. To, to Simon. So then, like, she doesn't really need to... Ha- we don't really know what's going on in Lucy's life. Um, apparently she made a list of things she was going to talk about, but ended up... Like, Lucy's more concerned with what Mary knows about the mystery girl. Right, because... Because Mary knows... Is acting weird, yeah. and is like, I don't want to talk to anyone about anything, and I don't know anything, and I don't want to do anything. Yeah. Uh, so we immediately know that Mary knows exactly what's going on. So Lucy is trying to get that out of her. And that's really it for Lucy. I think, honestly, what we have here is it's just another continuation of the fact that, like, Lucy's becoming wiser. Lucy's more... I don't know. She's becoming a better character, I guess. But also in... Like, we didn't... I don't think I knew right away. I mean, I started to gather. But in Lucy and Mary's interaction, we find out that they're talking... They're like, oh somehow it comes up that at Habitat for Humanity or something, Lisa Lundby, like, Lucy mentions her name, and then we learn that Mary has apparently been talking to her a lot because they both had rough years, so she thought that she could, like, reach out to her, and this is why, like, Lucy is kind of like, what's going on with Lisa Lundby? Um, we get, a li- like, hints about what is actually going on with Lucy, who, with, with Lisa. Who is, who is the girl yeah. who does Habitat for Humanity, with Lucy, and we had no idea in the beginning of the yeah, episode that they were the same, that she was the mystery girl that showed up at the church. Um, so did you? Did you realize that, guys? Um, so while Annie's trying to like talk to Lucy before Lucy diverts all the attention to Simon, Annie asks about Habitat for Humanity, and you know that there's three girls. So two of the girls, Carol and are like best friends. The other one yeah. are best friends, but L- Lisa isn't. And we find out that Lisa used to be outgoing, but now she's like isolated herself and is being weird. And I think Lucy kind of like disparages on her a little bit because Mary then goes, "Don't do that." And yeah. she oh, runs. and this is how Mary like yeah. this is how Lucy's like, you know something. So and I really actually appreciated just this one line um, where Annie says, "I think with everything that's happened to Mary." in this, like, in the last few months, she's become a lot more sensitive to what people are feeling. And I think this kind of harps back on the words episode. Yeah, when she stuck up for the girl that all those other mean girls were making fun of. Yeah. Okay. So, meanwhile, the other two. (laughs) So, first I think we get... Well, it doesn't really matter what order we do them, but, like, Simon is talking about how he had a substitute teacher 
And, like, his his friend Luke, like, when she turned her back, was like, surf's up! And all the guys jumped on their desks and pretended to surf on their desks. And Annie is, like, not understanding why this is supposed to be funny. And I really didn't get it either. I guess maybe it's, like, a middle school boy humor thing. So he tells... And then, like... And then he's like, oh, and then she got so angry that she left the classroom and slammed the door, and then we could hear her on the other side of the door, but everybody pretended that they, we didn't know. She, she was, like, locked out. She slammed the door so hard. So Annie gives him a little lecture about, like, how that's kind of cruel, and he's, Simon's just like, but isn't it funny? Like, my buddy Luke, he's hilarious. He's the funniest guy you'll ever meet. And Annie's like, I don't think so. And then Simon's like, maybe I told it wrong. So he tells the story over again. Yeah. Um, that, so later on in like Simon's storyline, Lucy says, "Oh, is he telling you stories about Luke to Annie?" And he's like, "Yeah, what is this? Like, who's this guy?" And Lucy's like, "Oh, I think uh, that Luke is made up, and that he." She's like that. She says that Simon will tell a story and say that it like that it, something was Luke's idea, but if people at the end think that it's funny, he'll be like, "Never mind, it was my idea." <laughs> But if it doesn't, like, land well, he'll, like, stick to it being Luke's thing. So she doesn't think Luke is real, and he's, like, just a prop that Simon uses <laughs> to tell jokes. I don't understand. Um, so... So Lucy is... But Lucy's like, oh, I know how we can get to the bottom of this. You should tell Simon to invite Luke over. Um, so Annie, like, is like, uh, you should invite Luke over. <laughs> and, and, and Simon says... Um, Oh, he's really popular. He might be too busy to come and hang out with me. And then he's like, look, you can tell me the truth if Luke isn't real. And now Simon's really upset because he's like, who told you Luke isn't real? So Simon confronts Mary and Lucy about it. And Mary's entire thing is like, I'm Switzerland. Don't, I don't want to be involved. And Nobody talked to me. Uh, Luke is real. Yeah, Luke ends up being real. So anyway, Luke comes over um, and we learn that he uses, like, humor as a coping mechanism because he has a brother who is deaf. Um, also, because for physical comedy, so his brother can... Like, oh, can, yeah, can, like... Have things to laugh at. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then... Luke... Well, cause this, mm, yeah. mm, mm, Luke is played by... Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Luke is played by Joey Zimmerman, who um, is most recognizable from the Disney Channel original movie trilogy of Halloween Town. So actually, I think it's a, it's four movies, um, and he also played the young version of whoever Hyde is from that '70s show. I never watched that '70s show. So. Uh, it's um, oh one of the Danny Masterson, I think, because Chris Masterson was the older brother and Malcolm in the Middle, um, and I always mix them up. Which one is which? But that's three Seventh Heaven alums that are also in that '70s show now. I think. No, it's only two. No, it's... Oh, wait, oh, um, Kitty. Yeah, the, yeah. the mother yeah. of the kid that was trying yeah. to jump off the roof. Um, so, yeah. It's a great springboard. <laughs> Seventh heaven. Um, so, anyway, um, when, like, Simon's like, oh, my brother's ex... Like, no, he says, my brother's girlfriend uh, is deaf. And he's like, oh, I guess she's not his girlfriend anymore, but... Uh, I have a feeling that Matt and Heather aren't over, which this has now been alluded to twice, um, because earlier in the episode when Hank was asking about Heather, so... Does that mean Heather's coming back this season? That's annoying. Possibly. Oh. I forget. But anyway, Luke is apparently going to teach Simon sign language so that he can communicate with uh, Heather. Heather. 
So while Simon is telling his stories about Luke, Ruthie is telling stories about a friend named Marianne. Marianne, who apparently... Is very nice, but smells. Um, And... Um, Here's a chunk of this episode. There's like two different conversations where the Rev and Ruthie are talking about this in exquisite detail, except why? I I don't know. And then also another strange thing we learned about Marianne is that she always has extra meats. She's always at school giving away bologna and ham and turkey. So I don't know. So anyway, um, Annie starts to the Rev isn't like not having this. But, um, so Ruthie starts to tell Annie about this, and Annie's like, that isn't very kind to make fun of the way she smells, blah, blah, blah. And Ruthie's like, well, we can invite her over, and you can see how she's, and she also has bad breath because she eats garlic pickles. Um, Annie says that you should tell, like, you should talk to her about this to Ruthie, and Ruthie's like, well, you should. (laughs) Which also, I think, like, ends up being why, um... Marianne gets called, uh, invited over. Mary, the reason Marianne has so many meats is because somebody in her family is a butcher. No. Oh, no? <laughs> she lives across the street from, from the a butcher, butcher shop. Oh, okay. And I presume that's also where the pickles are coming from. And this, and she lives with her grandmother. Oh, yes, that's So it. her body odor is mothballs and, like, they say, like, other old lady things. So... That's that resolution. <laughs> yeah. So she can't help it. It's not, like her body odor it's just the stink of the house that she lives in which sounds pretty terrible um and the to get our last bit of this joke about the fact that everybody knows about matt's uh, love life um marianne knows about it too because she goes i'm sorry you couldn't go to new york to matt at the end of the episode and matt's like thank you but then also says i think you're cute so Potential new relationship alert! Except not at all, I'm not yes, being serious. This 8-year-old and the 21-year-old. Okay, so, um, I guess that brings us to the, the main storyline. Story so, um, very, so, as Aaron likes to call it, the private detective service of Sergeant Michaels is again in years. I was like, P.I. Michaels, the private investigator Michaels, he's back. Uh, of course, the Rev enlisted him to find out who the mystery girl is. Um... Even though she would have been, it's Lisa Lundby, and she would be in the yearbook. But uh, some things about the way that Lisa is presented. We said that she was cagey, but just another note: she's wearing multiple coats. Uh, she's like covering herself up quite a bit. Um, so the Rev thinks that she's a runaway or she's homeless. Um, and when we see her again, it's in like a, at the promenade on a bench, and there is a male person like coming up to her and starting to talk to her. And she's like, get away from me. Uh, Stop talking to me. I don't want you near me. And coincidentally, Sergeant Michaels is at the bookstore. Yes. (laughs) On duty, just reading books in the bookstore. Um, And he comes out and he, she immediately is like, kind of tells like Sergeant Michaels, like, leave me alone. Like, here, do you want to see my ID? Um... I, I'm not homeless, so, like, just just leave me alone. Here's my ID. I have an address. So... This is when everybody else, including us, finds out that it is actually Lisa. So, uh, Sergeant Michaels then calls the Rev and is like, I have a name and address for you, which, again, I don't think a police officer should just be, call- like, calling up the Rev and being like, listen, I've got all this personal information on this girl who came to see you and doesn't want to talk to you, um, and here it is. This seems wildly unprofessional, um... Somehow, I think either he calls her or Mary, like, 
like gets them together because um, Lisa shows like Lisa and the Rev are at the church. Yeah, and Lisa is ready to. I think I think that um, Lisa just comes in on her own. Um, I thought Mary had something to do with it because Mary uh, comes down and it's like it's about is it because Annie then is like is it about Lisa and we realize that everybody uh, knows everybody it's knows Lisa. Le- yeah, okay. And then so I think Mary is like facilitating it somehow, um, or maybe not. Well, so in the conversation, Lucy, uh, Lucy Lisa uh, calls it or says that her mother calls it the incident. Right, uh, um, and that. Um, it happened on, like, December 21st, and that her mother, like, told her not to tell anyone because, like, they didn't want to ruin Christmas, and that it was someone who was, it was someone her, her mother had been dating, her mother's boyfriend, um, and she was, like, she just comes out and says, like, oh, he forced me to have sex with him, uh, and then the Rev is, like, you were molested. Um, which, I guess, technically she was molested, but then she, but she was also raped, so, mm. um, and she, she says that like right after that, he kind of like skipped out of town, and that they filed a police report or something. But they found out he had been using a fake name, so he's never been like found or arrested or anything for this. Um, but her mother is like, she we so she is ashamed and. Her mother is also ashamed, as or we learn in this. Or it seems like yeah. it's, she's ashamed because she won't talk about it. Yeah. We learn that um, she's in therapy, like, t- talking to a guidance counselor and, like, the, a nurse or something at the school constantly, and that she's... Um, and then her big thing, though, is that she really wants to tell... She has two older brothers that she really wants to tell, but her mother won't let her, and she's like, I just want to be honest with everyone um, and tell them this. And so the Rev is like, why don't you come back and I can talk about this with both you you and your mother. And he reiterates, like, this isn't your fault. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, you're not the criminal. Yeah. Like you're the victim. Um, so there is this very long and kind of circular conversation between the Rev, Lisa, and her mother in which her mother is like, but... Every day, like, the nurse and the therapist and everybody tells you that it wasn't your fault, and you know it's not your fault, so why? And Lisa's like, no, I need you to tell me it's not my fault. So then her mother says it's not her fault. And And then her mother goes on kind of like, oh, it's my fault. Um, I shouldn't have left you alone with him. Like, I, I only knew him a few months. I shouldn't have let him... I don't know, kind of, like, be around my family or be in my house when I wasn't there. Lisa also has a moment where she thinks it's her fault because she didn't resist. And um, the Rev is, and the Rev is like, no, that's that doesn't mean that um, you consented in any way because he still forced you to do something and you were kind of, like, paralyzed in fear of him. Um, which I thought was also a good, good point. And I'm glad that they brought that up. Um, but I th- And I think they resolved that, that, yeah, they should tell the brothers because right. it happened to her and she should be able, able to. to well the rev does also make a good point and he's like you shouldn't oh she says that she wants to this is when she's just speaking with the rev alone mm-hmm. she says that she's like afraid that she's going to see him again but also that she wants to see him again to tell him that he ruined her life and he was like don't give him that power um um, but that's really it. It seems like going forward, things will be a lot better for Lisa, or at least they're moving towards a place of, like, being at peace with what's happened. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and I, th- I mean, that's really it. the episode. The one thing that you noted and, and that they've done in other issue episodes, um, what they'll do when they introduce an, uh, an issue is, like, if you are having this problem or, like, whatever was reflected in the episode has happened to you, you can call this number to or talk to someone or you can, you know... Like, visit this website. Like, they did it with the Cutter's episode. They did it with um, when they were talking about the refugees and women's rights in Afghanistan. Like, in a lot of these episodes, like, their last... Uh, the suicide one, mm-hmm. right? Like, a lot of them had alcoholic one. I can't remember all of them. I don't, I don't remember if they actually did that in all of them, but they do them in some of them, and I think this was probably one that w- it would have been good, especially because it was, like, one that they had to rate, you know, PG, PG and yeah. it was handling something that was, like, I don't know, I guess the... I, I don't I want to rank it's, it's, it's the issue episodes, but... Right, so I, I would think... I think that's maybe the purpose of the episode, but then they didn't do anything to, I like guess, you, reach open the door for people who might be, like, dealing with the same issues. Um, and I also thought that, like, it could have, it could have been, you know, they could have spent a little more time with, um, like, other than just a brief conversation of Lisa, like, blaming herself. Because, you know, like, that's, like, real, like, actual victim, like, stories are a lot of, they spend a lot of time thinking it's their own fault. But this time, like, this is, and, or we could do, you, you could do, like, an ep thing, a thing where, like, it happened more recently, and that she hasn't gone to the police yet. Like, there's a lot of right. other ways that they could have, like, expanded the storyline, but I think it was, like, too neat of a package, which maybe, I guess, I don't know, I didn't, I thought, especially because, I know that the situation, like, the entire episode was about communication and talking, and, like, talking things out, but you could have had a really great opportunity, especially because the way that the Rev was handling it was done very well. He, I, like, I don't think he was out of place in anything he said. No. But they could have, like... They, were clear, they clearly had the right message, so they could have, like, expanded on it more, but you, like, spent time with, like, Hank being Jewish and with Ruthie's smelly friend and, like, <laughs> and, like Simon's... And Luke. Simon's, Wacky Luke. You know, like, I don't think you... I think you could have minimized a bunch of those storylines. Yes. I don't know. I thought, I think no, it's, I think it's an issue that should be t- talked about as much as they talk about other issues. Right. But it is like. I'm not gonna disagree with no, you. No, I just that's, <laughs> I just wanted to like get that out there. Um, but that's really it for this episode. So. What are you gonna rate it? Um. What they did, they did good, but I just wanted more. They did it well. What they did, they did well, but I just wanted more. So. Um, you know what? I'll give it a four. You know what? Sometimes if they do too much, they ruin it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, I was giving it a four. Okay, I think I'm going to give it a 3.5. I wasn't, you know, it was it was fine. Another, like, solid, like not as bad as some of the ones we've seen in other seasons, but... I think so far, season four has been the strongest. I mean, looking at, at the aggregate of the scores... We're, we're towards the end now. That, this was for episode 419. We only have... Three more. Yeah, for this season. This has been the highest scoring season for me. Woo! Wait until season five. I'm <laughs> very excited. Okay. Um, so remember when Lance Bass liked our Instagram post? Where could I find Lance Bass's like? Instagram, uh, our handle is at Camden Cast Show. Or you can find us on Twitter at Camden Cast Show. Or on Facebook, Camden Cast. Or you can just listen to us. 
yeah, by going to soundcloud.com backslash Camdencast or on the iTunes podcast app on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, I'm Mary. I'm Tanvi, and this is Camdencast. Where can you?